Well, are you ready to open the open your Bibles? You know, we have three services. I just I don't now I'm talking. We have three services now, right? Saturday morning and two on Sunday. And then every once but every once in a while we get people who just want them a lot of Jesus. So my friend Chris Dorla, who uh, who moved back up from the south, whom I love, came to church last night. So I thought, well, that's good. He's a good boy. Came to Saturday night church and he said, Well, I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Me too. Uh, <laughs> so anyway. But uh, we love him, and, and, we, and we're just thankful for folks. And if, you're, if you are newer to Heritage and you're worried that if you keep coming, I'm going to talk to you about you out loud, I probably will. But always in a good way. Always, <laughs> always I'll say something nice uh, <coughs> or mildly ornery, but that's, you got to be here a while for that. Have you found the book of Matthew chapter 13? The book of Matthew, the, this, the title of this whole series is called Follow Me because it really sums up the entirety of what the book of Matthew is for. The, the book of Matthew calls the reader to be a disciple of Jesus, meaning we are supposed to hear his word, believe it, and obey it. We're supposed to hear, believe, and obey. Do you want to try saying those three things out loud? Hear, believe, and obey. There's not, you notice I didn't put the word feel in there. Feel will, feel will catch up. Feel will catch up, but if you wait for feel, if you keep asking your, if you keep checking your how do I feel-o-meter, you probably won't obey. Or your obeying will be short-term. We'll get to that today, as a matter of fact. And one of the things that, uh, that the, the, all the Gospels use, well, not really, most of the Gospels use, is something called a parable. And that is a, a story that Jesus uses where he calls upon uh, the, his natural surroundings, and uses the examples around him to communicate spiritual realities. And the imagery that he uses, uh, it's, it's supposed to, it kind of sneaks in the back door of our imagination, and we get to nodding. The idea is that the listener is nodding their head, nodding their head, going, yes, this makes sense. Yes, I've heard this before, or yes, I've seen that. And it, 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 there, it doesn't uh, it doesn't butt up against our uh, a strange something strange. It sneaks through our frame of reference, so we nod our head. But but here's the trick: parables will do that. They 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 enter in through a through the the field of familiarity. But then there's a punchline, and it's not always easy. Two thousand years later, for you and I, the the modern reader, to to hear the punchline. So we, we want to make sure that we list, try to listen carefully for what the punchline would have been because usually the, the punchline literally comes at the end. It's called the parabolic punchline. <laughs> and it's the gotcha statement that usually leaves the audience going, what just happened? I was listening to a familiar story and then plot twist. That's what it is. It's the, it's the parabolic plot twist. And that plot twist arrests the, the listener and then that is the thing that calls for a response. It challenges the listener to respond to the parable. Okay? And so if you and I, and I, I mentioned this last night, and it's just too good. It's just too, it's just too appropriate. Have you, has anybody watched the, the Chosen yet? You need to watch it. Very, very good. I'm seeing all the praise hands. You need to watch The Chosen. And almost 100%, I love every part of it. I, I still am of the opinion that the person playing Jesus is Jesus. They called him and he said, "Sure, all I don't mind showing up. I'm pretty sure it's him, but and don't tell me otherwise." But um, but there's just a couple of things that I go, ooh, 
and, uh, and one of them is uh, Jesus is, is, t- uh, is teaching a parable, and, uh, and, he's, and he's on the, sea so- the seashore, and he, gets, and he does the thing where he gets into the boat. We're going to see that. And he's talking to people, but he's talking to about the size of this section. There's about this many people sitting on the seashore. And that's when I go, ooh, so close. Uh, uh, because there would have been like these people, these people, these people, and then these people, these people, and then about three or four more times that. We're talking large crowds. When, G- when Matthew says large crowds, that's the word multitude. You should think big crowd, massive, massive amounts of people are there. And then, so that's the only thing. But the other thing is, and this is the point that I want you to, to I want us to not do, is af- in, the, in the thing, after Jesus tells a parable, it cuts to the crowd, and there's a guy like Brent who, uh, who like, who, 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 <laughs> it just, it's just a dude, and he, and they, they, they cut to the crowd, and, the, and the Jesus is done talking to the guy, and this guy does what guys do, and you know, when we get up from the table, we're done, you know, and he goes, uh, he goes, <laughs> and he walks off, like, that's what dudes do, we're like, well, whatever, and, uh, and I thought, no, that's not how people responded to parables, they didn't go, mm-hmm, okay, Unfortunately, that's how a lot of Northern American evangelicals respond to the word every day. Pastor's done. Where's the buffet? If we aren't arrested and 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 uh, if there's not a, a, a an engagement, a, not a conflict. What am I trying to say? A, a, something that we've got to be. We've got the the word's got to grab us. So anyway, we're going to try to make that happen today. We're going to rely on the Holy Spirit and ask the Spirit of God to, 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 to challenge us, to make sure. And, the, and then the other problem is we're about to read a parable that if you've been in church longer than two days, you've heard this. Yeah, you've heard it. You're going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to read this. You're going to go, oh, yeah, that one. And, you're going to pull, and then you're going to slowly pull your phone out and start going. <laughs> And then your neighbor's going to see you do it and go, ha, ha, he called you out. <laughs> if you do have your phone out, I hope it's your Bible app. Let's take a look at the parable that begins in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 1. And uh, we'll, I'll, I'll, tro- I'll probably interrupt myself inconveniently along the way. That same day, speaking of interrupting myself, that's going to be important. <laughs> that's going to be important for you to remember. Somebody say that same day. That means Matthew wants us to know that even though there's big, a big, bold line before this chapter, and even though it says 13, that what we're reading is directly connected to what we just read. So just put, put a little pin in there, and we'll come right back. 10.06, not doing bad. Feel me? All right. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Now, why did Jesus get into a boat and go out into the water? Well, again, you probably heard why he did that. There's a bunch of people there who need to hear his voice, and the best way for him to do that is to create a natural public address system. So he gets into the boat, he scoots out into the water, and then when his voice hits the water, it bounces along the water and shoots up to the shoreline, and it's a fantastic public address system, okay? So that's what he does. Then he told them, verse 3, then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Stop. 
This is one of the first parables that Matthew records as far as the, the parables proper. It also functions as a fundamental parable. Most of the Gospels refer to this, this parable, and, and Mark, when Mark talks about it, he says that Jesus says, if you guys don't understand this parable, you won't understand any of them. Meaning there's something fundamental about the principles in this parable that tell us something about the kingdom of God and our relationship with it. Are you ready? Okay, so here he says, uh, uh, this is how the kingdom, and the, and the basic idea is the kingdom works like seed and soil. You want to say seed and soil out loud? Seed and soil. Okay, so verse 4, as he was scattering the seed. One more time I need to interrupt. Remember that when we're hearing these parables, we're nodding our heads. These things don't sound strange until we get to the plot twist. A lot of times people read this and they start throwing all kind of allegory and all kinds of interpretation. And, and I've even heard people stop at verse 4 and say, well, see, we, shouldn't, we need to be more careful with our seed. <laughs> he was scattering the seed and some fell on the path. That was a bad farmer. You need to be more careful with it. You need to have better stewardship. Stop it. Not the point. It's very normal at this point. They're like, oh, yeah, because that's how fields were laid out in such a way that there were paths that ran through them on purpose. That's how people got through the paths. And those paths were even specifically designed for the Old Testament requirement for that after the time of harvest, that the poor and the widow and the foreigners could come through those fields and gather and glean after harvest. That's why you weren't supposed to harvest everything. You're supposed to go through once and leave stuff behind on purpose. And then those were the fields that people people came. They were, it's, it was normal for fields to have, have paths. This is not the plot twist. This is the normal part. And some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. And that's where Bob talks to Phil in the back of the crowd and says, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we got, I got birds in my field too. He's right. So they're still nodding their head. Yeah, I got birds. You got birds. Yeah, I got birds. Okay? And they're nodding their head thinking, I don't know what he's talking about, but he's right. Then verse 5, some fell along the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Is this the plot twist? No. This is normal. Limestone is the foundation part, especially right there in, in, the, in the central mid, in Middle East, like there, in the, in the, there. There's limestone, and we're on, on, when, when, when a thin layer of soil is on top of the limestone, the seeds will fall in there, but there's, there's ambient heat that, that, that is still in the stone and the soil will get, is warmer faster than the rest of the soil. And that warmer soil will, will, will ignite the seed more quickly. And that seed will sprout up quickly, but then when it starts to get hot out and the, and the, and the, the, the root needs to go somewhere, it's got nowhere to go. And that is also normal. That was normal. But or like, oh, yeah. And she's like, you know, it's, you know the seed that falls? It does that. You know the seed that goes? Yep. Mm-hmm. So far, so far they got it. Then there's seed that fell among thorns. Please don't say he's a bad farmer. Oh, he should have pulled them. He did, probably. Have you ever pulled a weed and they still come back? Yeah, what they did was they would plow the weeds under, and there was the, the remnant, these permanent roots of bitterness. I mean, permanent roots that dwelt in the soil. That, lot, that were hidden from view because people tidied up but didn't deal with the root. Oh, we're getting ahead of the story. But everybody, all the farmers, all the people knew, yeah, yeah, you know, you just killed that under, but the weeds are still in there. So they're still in there, and, 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 when, and when the seed falls among places where there's still the roots, 
of weeds, the warmth comes, the rain comes, and the first things that ignite, the first place of growth, because they weren't eradicated, those weeds grow fast. And they compete for the nourishment and the, and the moisture in the soil, and they choke out the wheat or the barley. And everybody said, yep, yeah. Then verse 8, still other seed fell on good soil. Now, at this point, you should go, good soil. You and I hear good, and we think good, but the good that G, the word that he used was virtuous, like virtuous, beautiful. I mean, it could mean fer- fertile, but it, it, it doesn't just mean like, oh, that's some good dirt right there. It, there's something virtuous about this soil. So at this point, we, at least we look up. Good virtuous soil, something different about this soil than the other, where it produced a crop. We're waiting on purpose. It produced a crop, and you and I are hearing, and we're nodding our head, thinking we know what's going to come next, right? What's going to come next? It produced a crop. What, we sh- we, what, we, what we're expecting to hear is five or ten times as much. That's normal. Normal crop, five times as much, maybe even tenfold. That's about normal. Beyond ten was, would have been like, whoo you now we're cooking with peanut oil. But tenfold, that's a pretty good crop. But Jesus says, and it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirtyfold. Meaning even the, even the least return was exponentially larger than what they were ever expecting. Now, I know you and I read 160, 30, and we go, yep, okay. The problem is we, that's, that's the punchline. That's the plot twist. The, the, we, the audience, are nodding our heads going, yeah, we, that, we've been there, done that, bag of t- we got the T-shirt and the chips and everything, and then we get to the good soil, and we think, oh, my God, thanks for the good soil. And then we hear these numbers, and the question, he, when, the, when, the, when, the, when the teacher says 100-fold or 60 or even 30, we think, what? You should try that. What? <laughs> Not bad. We say, what kind? The question is, what kind of seed can do that? And what kind of soil would respond that kind of way? Gotcha! There's the parable. Oh, no, I've been swallowed. I didn't even know I've been bit. What kind of seed and soil can do that? What kind of life, what kind of power, what kind of hope is he talking about? Jesus has just challenged and incited his audience to their wildest expectations. This is where they are astonished. And they're they're like, what? And then he just says, if any, whoever has ears, let them hear. Now, it's important that we hear what he just said. That's not a passive statement like, well, if your ears work, turn them on. Uh, you got your ears on, breaker or breaker. No. Uh, you know what the CBs? You remember that? Okay. Uh, he's, not, he's saying if you are willing, then you should hear. The word hear there is a, is a verb. It's an active verb. It, it means to heed and to believe and to obey. 
It means to learn, to act, to mean to, to, to listen in such a way that, there, that, that there's a change that happens in what you do. That's the hear part, not passive listening, but, but, but the deal is in the doing. Listen in such a way that it, that it changes what you do. That's what he says. The good soil will produce 160 or 30. And if, you, and if, you, if you're willing, listen. Now, wait a minute. What, what does he mean? Does he mean listen to the parable that I just said? Or what, what is he, what's going on here? This is where Matthew helps us understand what's going on. Remember when I said that same day? That same day, meaning there's this parable is, is uh, yes, yes, an introduction to, the, to a few more parables that happen after it, but it's directly, um, it connects, it teaches, it exemplifies the stuff that was just happening. You see, at the end of chapter 12, the Pharisees had come to them, come to Jesus, and it said, and they came to Jesus and they demanded a sign. And then Jesus says, a wicked and adulterous generation demands a sign. Now, he's not saying signs and wonders are bad. He's saying that it is wicked and adulterous for those, for the, for those that are broken and stepped outside the covenant to demand that the covenant keeper prove himself. They're the ones out. They're the ones. They're, they're the ones that have that have rejected him, and they come to him and say, "You prove yourself." He said, "That's wicked. That's wicked for the one who wanders to prove that the one who stayed proved something." And then he continues, and he said, "You know what? I'm not going to give you a sign. The only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah." He said, Jonah, jo- he said, Jonah preached and Nineveh repented. He said, but, so, but, he, but then he said, something greater than Jonah is here and implied, and you're not listening. Then he said, even the queen of the south, who everybody knows she was a, down there at the, the southern end of the, of the peninsula there at the whatever gulf that is. She's down there. That, the queen of the south, she was smart enough to, draw, to come with a caravan all the way up to Solomon and, and seek Solomon's wisdom. Although she was godless and a pagan and idolatrous, she knew enough to ask Solomon stuff. And Jesus says, and something greater than Solomon is here now, but you aren't paying attention. She did, but you won't. And while he's talking in the house, his mama shows up. Verse 48, his mama, that's right, mama shows up, and, and his brothers show up, and they want to see him. And they say, uh, Jesus, uh, your mother and your brothers are here. They'd, they'd sure like to talk to you. And then Jesus, in, he turns around and he says, he doesn't, he doesn't say, who's my mother? He's not having amnesia. He said, who's my mother and who's my brothers? And he looks around at his disciples, and he said, whoever does the will of my father is my mother and my brothers. That same day, he tells them this parable. What kind of harvest are we talking about in verse 8? What is the harvest then? What's the, what's the produce? That's not incorrect. Of course, it includes souls. Everybody says, oh, that's evangelism. It's true, but here's the deal. It's the will of God. The harvest is the doing of the will of God. The word of God will produce the will of God. My mom is coming to this next service. Okay, the word of God produces the. Say it with me now. The word of God produces the. 
Jesus is saying, I've been talking and you haven't been listening and you haven't been listening and you haven't been listening and his parents show up and mama shows up and he says, you know what? I'm just looking for somebody who will do the will of God. And that reminds me of a story. A farmer went out to sow some seed and the word went there and it fell on hard ground. And the word went there and it fell on shallow ground. And the word went over there and fell on thorny ground, but then the word found the right spot. And where the word find the right spot, it produces the will of God in absolutely phenomenal measure. Well, now I've got ahead of myself and we can just close this whole thing because that's the... Yeah, there you go. So verse 9 says, whoever has ears, let him hear. In verse 18, when Jesus explains it, he uses the same word. Your Bible, my Bible says, whoever has ears, let him hear. And then it says, listen, but it's the same word. Hear, he says. It's a, and it's, a, it's an active imperative. Uh, uh, it's, it's an error's active imperative, which means start listening. But not just hearing. Start listening and responding to what the parable means. Verse 18 could read this way. Start imitating. Start acting in accord with what this parable means. When anyone hears the message of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom is the word of God. The word of God is seed. It is alive. It has power in it. It has a power in it to produce in your life the will of God. Jesus said, when anyone anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. When they hear it and don't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it. But please understand, this is not an IQ problem. This isn't like, well, I I heard that, but I didn't understand it, and so then somehow they're victims. These aren't victims. This is a, the hardness is not, this is not unable to understand, but unwilling to. This is hard soil that rejects the seed. It hears it, but it does not give the seed the time of day. It does not give the seed access to its life. It's, it, it shows up to Sunday and hears the thing and then just can't wait to get to the buffet. It, 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 it hardens its heart. The seed falls, but it doesn't find a place to, to germinate to get in. And let me tell you, when we treat the word that way, Satan has a special interest in separating you from the word. If we do not receive it, the enemy is happy to distract us, to dissuade us, to deceive us, to say, ah, don't worry about it. Don't listen to that. You should really be thinking about other things. Have you seen the news? All this kind of stuff. And it's going to do everything it can to get you to, 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 get you to not only to forget, but to forfeit the seed altogether. This is, this, this, this is about just not doing. Hearing the word and just not doing it will harden your heart. Whew. The seed, fell, the seed falling, verse 20, the seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last a short time when trouble or persecution comes, when trouble or persecution comes, when it comes, because of the word, they fall away. This, this soil says, this, this is the people that respond. They hear the word, and they're the, they, they can be, and I don't, want to, don't, don't get worried, but the, these people may often be the first people with the, with the first and very enthusiastic, enthusiastic amen. Hey, that's a good word. And they might yell it real loud. That's a good word. But they don't do the word. Or they do it for a minute. They do it while everybody else is nodding their head going, yeah, you should good I'm proud of you for saying amen. And they do it while everyone's watching. I'm doing the word. But as soon as it's not popular or not comfortable, 
They want to do other things. As soon as it gets difficult, they're, they're in there. You see, fans have enthusiasm. Followers have commitment. Jesus calls us to follow him, not just to applaud when he walks by. Ooh, Jesus, good job. We like Jesus. I'm not going to change much, but I do like Jesus. No. Commitment. There's going to come a challenge. There's going to come a pressure to say for you to not do God's will. Persecution, trouble, challenge, criticism, accusation, the shame squad. They'll show up and say, you shouldn't be doing God's will. And that's when you decide. You say, well, how do I know if I have, a, if I have roots? If you decide to keep obeying the word. That makes your root deep. Verse 22, the seed fell, falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. This person starts to do the word, but also wants to do other things. The worries of this life. Jesus said of this life. Someone say this life. When, he's talk, when the Bible talks about this life, it's talking about a life that is lived outside of a hope in God. A life that is lived outside of hope in, for salvation. A life that is lived as if this life were it which makes us carnal and selfish and defensive and hoarding and can make us mean. It makes us sensual, all kinds of stuff. The, 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 this stuff, this life is full of weeds. And the deceitfulness of wealth. No, listen, God's word has the, the look, the, the Bible says that, that, uh, that, 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 the, that the blessing of the Lord make, make, maketh a man rich and he has no trouble to it. God isn't against wealth. The idea is, why, does this, why would the deceitfulness of wealth compete with the seed? Because, the, because in this life, we, you will have a choice whether to choose God's will and do God's word or believe that somehow you should, that you should not do it in order for, to uh, 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 achieve gain. Like, I know it's God's will for me to engage in this business transaction fairly, but I could earn more if I cheated. That's the weed. The weed, any, someone asked me last night, well, how do you know? I mean, we have to make a living. How do you know if it's weeds? I said, anything that competes with the will of God is a weed. Anything that competes with the will of God is a weed. And those competing desires choke the word. Don't make the mistake to think that somehow that the word is, or, or the seed is weak. It's not weak. But our hearts can be easily distracted. The seed doesn't really just need our loyalty and attention. It demands it. Verse 23, the seed falling on the good soil. Good soil. This refers to someone who hears the word and understands it, who accepts it, who listens and gives the word its proper place in their life. This person produces a crop, Jesus said, a crop of what? The will of God, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. If we will choose to hear and obey the word of God the results will be overwhelming. 
if we will choose to hear and obey the word, the results will be overwhelming. There is no limit to what the word can produce in our lives. You know, I have some places in the country, if I was in like broken air, I was Ramah, they'd shut me down. There's no limit to what the word can produce in our lives. The word of God has limitless potential in the life of the one who will hear and obey. So how do we respond to this? Well, here's the deal. There's, there's, we say, how many soils are there? Four. Well, there's four soils. No, there's only two. There's only two kinds of soil. There's the soil that responds to the seed and the soil that does not. There might be a whole bunch of different reasons. There could be six or seven different reasons. We could say that there's ten soils out there, but at the end of the day, there's just two. There's a soil that for whatever reasons or multiplied reasons, you might be one of those three soils any time during the day. But your choice is either you're going to be the soil that responds to the word or does not. Will you be the good soil? Will you hear the word and do the will of God? I urge you to consider today. You might say, I I love my Bibles, I got seven of them, or whatever. And I read it all. Listen, I urge you today to be to a to have a radical radical commitment to obeying the word. Like if you read it, don't just read it and forget what you read. Don't just say, I'm I'm a good boy, I'm a good girl, I read my Bible today. That's a you are a good boy or a good girl. But if you read your Bible, you need to do your Bible. Do it. Get a bookmark. It says it. What did you read today? How does it make you think? What will you do? How will you imitate Jesus and obey Jesus? And how will you rely on the Holy Spirit to do it? It's in the bookmark. It's on purpose. You might say, there's some parts of the Bible I don't understand. Just obey what you do. That's a good start. And don't ask, do not ask, don't read your Bible and ask about how your feelometer, don't even, don't, this faith is not so much a feeling, but it is a doing. Yes. And, if it's, and if faith is a doing, then anybody can be full of faith. So many times people say, oh, I just don't know if I have enough faith. Just decide to do it. Just obey it. Then the Lord says, look at there, there's faith. Friends, the promise is this. If we will hear and obey, our lives will overflow with the will of God. If we'll hear and obey, our lives will overflow with the will of God. And if that doesn't sound enticing, remember that Jesus describes heaven as the place where the will of God is. How much of God's will do you want in your life? How much of the will of God do you want in your life? Let's go to the next thought, the the challenge there. How would Jesus describe your soil? What is your attitude? What is your relationship with the word? What today, right now, what would you change or what should you change about the condition of your soil? What place does the word of God have Friends, 
for everybody, everybody in the room, everybody listening online, right now there is seed somewhere in your life waiting for a response from you. You got some seed on you right now. Because of that, you have the potential for an overwhelming overflow to experience the will of God. Huh. You can demonstrate the will of God and experience the will of God. If you'll just respond to that seed. How much of God's will do you want in your life? It is entirely up to you. If you will hear and obey his word. And that is what it means to follow Jesus. Often give time, you think about how to how to close a message. You want to give time for people to respond to it. But Jesus, he 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 closed this message by just saying this: if you are willing, listen. He doesn't just mean listen to the parable, he means if you are willing, listen to the word of God. Hear it, heed it. Believe it. Obey it. If you are willing, be hearers and doers of his word. And you can expect the harvest of his will. Boy, I think this, your life, Jesus is, Jesus, he is looking for people who will do the will of his father. And, 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 and this world, I think it could sure use a whole batch of people who are producing the will of God in their life. I think your family could use it. Your loved ones, your community. But ultimately, it's for Jesus. It's for Jesus. Ultimately, we do his will because he delights in it. And we stand together. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I just want to say for myself once again this morning, Lord, I, I want to be good soil. Lord, any, I, I pray today that uh, any hardness, any areas in my life where there's a resistance. <laughs> they used to say, go back and read your Bible, read the parts you didn't underline. Oftentimes we underline our favorite parts. My God shall supply all my needs. Hallelujah. But that be holy and get rid of all anger and malice and bitterness and stop talking trash. We don't underline that part. And where, where we do not receive that seed and act on it, the enemy will look for a way to snatch it from us. So it won't, it, he does, he has a particular interest in the will of God not being in your life. Where is it that it's been challenging to obey because of pressure or persecution or threat or accusation or harassment or shame? 
Don't get defensive. Just keep doing the word. And if there's weeds pulling at your life, there's a, you, you, you got you to gotta get rid of those. You got to repent. You got you to gotta, you gotta pull those out by the root. But honestly, this, the parable just tells us this, that all you really need to do is just decide to do the word. Just decide to do it, and that is good soil. Is there anybody here this morning who will say, I'm just going to decide to do the word? Lord, I pray today for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to come upon us, to enable us through vital contact with your Spirit, through the power of the Spirit, to imitate and obey Jesus, that we would heed your word, we would believe your word, and we would obey it. And this we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here today. Thanks for joining us online. We pray the Lord bless all of you. May you have a fantastic day. May you be kind to someone on your way out today. God bless you.